1: it to order. So good evening.
2: Um, my name is John Mursky. I am chair of the Ann Arbor Energy Commission. And as chair I'm calling this meeting to order at 6.02 p.m. I am participating from my home in Ann Arbor. Welcome to the June 14th electronic meeting of the Energy Commission. This virtual meeting is to affect social distancing and mitigate the spread of the COVID-19 virus, Uh, we will conduct this meeting similar to in-person meetings. Commissioners, during roll call, please indicate your current location. During the meeting, please remain on camera just as you would be visible during in-person meetings. Also mute your microphone when not speaking. Public comment will be via telephone only. To speak during any of the two public comment opportunities, please call one of the following two numbers. 877-853-5247 eight seven seven eight five three five two four seven or eight 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 seven eight eight zero zero nine nine and enter meeting ID number nine three seven six seven five one six eight one nine on your phone. This information is also available on the published agenda in the public notices section of the city's website on the broadcast of this meeting on um, CTN and online at www.a2gov.org
1: backslash watch ctn. See, would you please read the land acknowledgement? Thank you, Chairman. I to. I acknowledge that the land
0: the city of Ann Arbor occupies is the ancestral, traditional, and contemporary lands of the Anishinaabe and Wyandotte peoples. I further acknowledge that our city stands, like almost all property in the United States, on lands obtained generally in unconscionable ways from indigenous peoples. The taking of this land was formalized by the Treaty of Detroit in 1807. Knowing where we live, work, study, and recreate does not change the past, but a thorough understanding of the ongoing consequences of this past. Can empower us in our work to create a future that supports
1: human flourishing and justice for all individuals. Thank you. So we now come to the roll call. Um,
2: As I mentioned, uh, we got notice from Larry Kerber that he's in route to Washington State, so he will not be joining us. And we have Edie joining us from Bonn, Germany. She can tell us more about that maybe later in the meeting. And um, um, Sharice, when we um, maybe are done with the end of the roll call, you can introduce yourself. Um, we're welcoming Sharice Smith to um, the Energy Commission. This is her first meeting and we're excited about her joining us. And she's got a great background that I'm sure will enable her to make a big contribution to our work. So Missy, I'll let you do the formal roll call and then I'll turn it over to um, So,
0: Perfect. Just a reminder, please state where you happen to be occupying uh, the land at the moment.
1: Chair John Mursky. Present and participating from Ann Arbor. Commissioner Levin. Here uh, in Ann Arbor. Commissioner McComber. Here in Ann Arbor. Uh, Vice Chair Colvin Garcia. I'm here um, from Ann Arbor. Great. Uh, Commissioner McCoy, absent. Commissioner Kerber, absent. Commissioner Overbeck. Here in Ann Arbor. Great. Commissioner Juno. Here in Bonn, Germany. I love that. Uh, Commissioner Smith. Present in Ann Arbor. Excellent. Councilmember Member Here in Ann Arbor. Councilmember Regina. here in Ann Arbor. Chair Yavocor. Great, thank you. Um, just to remind everybody, uh, Commissioner Hookham um,
2: uh, <clears throat> gave um, his resignation uh, so that he could do consulting work for uh, OSI, um, and um, we hope to welcome some new uh, members soon to the commission, um, but. Um, We have a new member um, who you already now um, know at least by name and face on the screen. But um, Sharish, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, And um, maybe we can also go around and just uh, give a a sentence or two about um, each one of us as a person. So she at least has some background about each one of us.
3: Great. Thank you so much. Um, very excited to join you all uh, and uh, looking forward to, to working with you all. Uh, my name is Sheree Smith. I am a director uh, with GuideHouse, a consulting firm, um, originally from the Ann Arbor uh, area uh, and have lived here most of my life. Um, I uh, took some time outside of Ann Arbor uh, to uh, uh, at Cornell University when I left for school, um, where I have uh, my educational background is in civil and environmental engineering, um, and then came back to Ann Arbor shortly after um, my uh, graduate studies there um, to raise my six-year-old daughter uh, here and looking forward to really um, engaging uh, more deeply uh, in the community. Uh, during my career, I started off uh, with an energy services uh, company um, as an energy solutions engineer, uh, really identifying energy efficiency opportunities um, in commercial buildings. Um, and actually during that time, had the opportunity to work closely with Ann Arbor Public Schools um, and uh, identify some of the energy efficiency opportunities and actually a, a behavior program to uh, kind of educate the community around energy efficiency and the importance of it. Um and then kind of moved on after a couple of years um, to what was Legacy Navigant, now GuideHouse, um, and have been with GuideHouse some 10 years now. Um, And during that time, uh, I had uh, the opportunity to oversee um, uh, a lot of our uh, client work with uh, DTE, an energy efficiency or energy waste reduction program, as some of you may be aware, um, leading program evaluation, um, understanding and validating the impacts um, to validate savings, customer research, strategy, and regulatory support. So a wide variety of work um, in that space. Um, I've also had the opportunity to serve on the uh, My Green Power Community Impact Pilot as a subject matter expert um, focused on community solar um, within uh, three uh, communities within Michigan here. Um, Also had um, some time to Uh, oversee some project work with the advanced uh, customer pricing pilot, so the time abuse pilot, um, also uh, with DTE, so have some rates experience and background as well. Um, And most recently, um, work on our uh, Guidehouse Mobility Solutions team, um, which is really focused on EV uh, programs, um, again, strategy, regulatory, um, evaluation type support. Um, So have varied backgrounds and, again, looking forward to contributing um, to um, our group here and and working with all of you. Very excited to join.
2: And we are, too, as I said. Now you know why we were excited when we read Charisse's application. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm going to go around uh, what at least appears to me on the screen for me. And if you can just introduce yourself very briefly. Um, Teresa and I uh, have already met and talked with Missy, um, so I'm not going to um, belabor my introduction. Um, But um, Erica, if you would introduce yourself briefly, and then I'll call on people from there.
4: Sure. I'm Erica Briggs. I represent Ward 5 um, City of Ann Arbor
1: and um, have served on City Council since 2020. uh. Noah. Excuse me.
5: Uh, Welcome uh, to the commission. Uh, I I live on the west side of Ann Arbor and I have two kids that go to steam uh, that are now going into uh, fifth and third grade. And I have. uh, when t- originally came to Ann Arbor uh, to the School of Natural Resources as it was called at the time and I also now have a law degree
1: from uh, Lewis and Clark uh, in Portland. Welcome again. Thanks, Noel. Hi, nice
6: to meet you. Um, my name is Edie Juno. I also came to Ann Arbor to go to formerly SNR, now SEAS for a master's degree in environmental policy and ecology. Um, And I currently work for a nonprofit, the National Wildlife Federation on forest, climate and energy issues. Uh, So welcome.
1: Travis.
7: Hi, I'm Travis Rodina. I am at the Ann Arbor City Council member from Ward three or one of them. Um, Also been on council since 2020. uh, And welcome to to the board. Look
1: forward to working with you. Hi, Sharish. I'm um, Jonathan Overpecker. I go by Peck, and
5: I also came to work at the School of Natural Resources and
1: the Environment, now called C School for Environment and Sustainability, and I'm actually the dean. Very happy to have such amazing alums. Bridget.
6: Hi, Trish. Welcome to the Energy Commission. Um, I uh, have served on the Park Commission in the past for six years, and I've been on the Energy Commission for a while. I'm the finance director at the Ecology Center, where I've worked for over 20 years. Um, And I happen to have lived in Ithaca in my college days. So it's nice to hear of somebody else who's been to that area it's amazingly beautiful really interesting stuff happening in that city still um so welcome
2: and then finally carlene and i realized i'm not being very informal
1: and using everybody's first name instead of commissioner and council member but i think that's okay go ahead carlene Hi, Cherise. Welcome to the Energy Commission. It's really
4: great to see you and be interacting with you more in person this evening. My name is Carlene Colvin Garcia. I'm the vice chair of the Energy Commission. I've been on the commission since 2017. And I've been particularly active with the um, um, transportation electrification endeavor here in the city. Um, I, uh, together with a team of uh, visionaries, co-authored the um, Ann Arbor EV Readiness Ordinance um, that was passed early in 21, and um, I have uh, been very active with the community, with the schools, with education and curriculum development for hands-on project-based solar power curriculum, um, in particular uh, Um, uh, K through eight uh, grade levels um, that is right now um, being rolled out at the Ann Arbor Steemit Northside School. And um, I am right now uh, building my business with EV charging installation consulting, um, focusing my efforts with multi unit dwellings uh, to support folks, uh, landowners, and tenants to bring uh, EV charging to their. Uh, multi-unit housing, and I also am a a licensed residential builder focusing on green building.
1: So nice to meet you. So that's our team, and welcome to the team.
3: Thank you. Uh, Pleasure to meet all of you.
2: Great, and we'll look forward to one of these days meeting um, in person, face-to-face, and we'll figure out um, how to that we
1: might talk about that later in the meeting too so um so um i'm gonna just deviate real quickly because i got a
2: text indicating that the meeting id number um wasn't correct and I've been texting with Missy, and Missy, um, do you have a correct number that we can share with people or?
0: Well, the meeting ID is correct uh, on Legistar. If anyone goes to the public Legistar site, under this meeting, if you use last month's meeting, maybe they're looking at May, it is a different because we had to upgrade the system. But under this one, June 14th, you'll see the same in number and the meeting ID is different. Um, and it is the right ID. I, te- I tested it while you all were introducing yourself.
2: On so it. on it's the fun. agenda, it's the same number that I read, which was 937- 937 on 6- 6819. <laughs> is that wrong then?
0: Hold on. Yes. Ah. The agenda listed here's the meeting ID number. And again, like anyone that's on will see this. The meeting ID is 956 8718 7, six. Again, personal on everything is up to date with that number.
2: So it is 956 8718 7876. 8, 7,
0: Correct. Okay. Yep. Same phone number, just meeting ID is different.
2: Yep, perfect. Great. And I'll I'll mention that again in a second. Okay, so um next on the agenda is approval of the agenda. Can I get a motion from uh, in a second from uh, members of the Commission to uh, approve the minutes.
1: I've reviewed them. And if you take my word for it, or if you've read them to myself, they're fine. <laughs> I move to approve the minutes. So moved by uh, Vice uh,
2: Chair um, Calvin Garcia and seconded by Councilmember member Adina. Thank you very much. All in favor, say aye. Aye, Aye. raise your hands. Very good. So it passes unanimously, don't have to ask about nays or abstentions. So we're good to go on the agenda. Um, uh, oh, I was actually talking about the minutes. And so first the agenda, that was the agenda, actually. Now the minutes, let's approve the minutes. Can we have an approval to approve a motion
1: to approve the minutes and a second? Sorry about that. So a motion from Council Member and a second from uh,
2: Commissioner Juno, all in favor, say aye. Um, aye. No one's opposed. So it also passes. So now we are at public input. And this is an opportunity for members of the public to speak for up to three minutes. If you are watching on CTN, the numbers are correct, please call 888-788-0099 or 877-853. Five two four seven, and enter meeting ID nine five six eight seven one eight seven eight seven six. This information is also displayed on the agenda. Actually, that number is wrong. Don't use that number. Use the number I just read off. And the video feed. City staff will um, call <clears throat> select callers that have raised their hand one by one using the last three digits of your phone number. In order to electronically raise your hand to indicate your desire to speak, please press star nine on your phone, you will hear an automated message indicating that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area, mute any television or background sounds so that we may hear you clearly. And finally, state
1: your name and your address at the beginning of your comments. Caller ending is one, three, four. Thank you, Dr. Stelton, Chair and for the uh, corrected meeting ID number.
8: Ken Garber, 28 Haverhill Court. I really look forward to tonight's 820 talk. Uh, The slides show a huge list of accomplishments. Congratulations to city staff. I just have a comment and a question. Strategy two, action one of the 820 plan says, quote, promote home and business electrification, unquote, and assumes that, quote, all new residential and commercial buildings are designed and built to operate without the use of natural gas. I track new building projects that use gas heating. Since June 1, 2020, the city has approved 487 residential units, 275,000 square feet of new commercial space, and 254,000 square feet of hotel space, all of which burn gas. I'm not counting the few all-electric projects. Using standard estimates for gas emissions per building type, and a conversion factor that takes into account upstream emissions, I calculate that together these projects will produce 14,100 metric ton CO2 equivalent emissions per year. There will be some gains from reduced commuter miles, but it's a small fraction. For context, uh, you will hear tonight about the 3 megawatts of new solar from the Solarize program and the four megawatts scheduled for city facilities. Great numbers for sure. Applying the city's DTE electric emission conversion factor and assuming a 20% solar efficiency rate, these seven megawatts of solar will prevent 7,934 metric tons of CO2 equivalent emissions annually, which is great, except that the 14,000 tons from heating new gas burning buildings wipe out those gains not just once, but twice. Putting up solar panels is self-defeating when we construct buildings that will lock in gas emissions for the next half century. The climate, of course, does not respond to good intentions or dollars spent. The climate only responds to the actual physics, the amount of CO2 and other greenhouse gas emissions gases we dump into the atmosphere. And we are losing ground there. That's my comment. My question is, what do we do about it? The a 20 plan urges state passage of the IECC Zero Code Appendix. That's under review but even if adopted, it won't go into effect for almost two years. The appendix doesn't preclude gas and it doesn't apply to low rise residential. We often hear that state law prevents the city from passing a stricter building code than the state code for new construction. As a categorical statement, this is incorrect. There is no clarity in state law on this question. I think we should move forward with a natural gas ban like others have done most recently New York City. Michigan is a strong home rule state and the courts here give cities wide deference in such cases. I'm certainly open to other ideas, anything but the status quo. We need to stop the bleeding and fast.
1: Thank you. And thank you. That is all Chair.: That's all. okay. Very good. So we can then uh, get
2: directly into the heart of the agenda and the first uh, Major topic is a, an update on Washtenaw County Climate Action and Planning. And Missy, I can see that uh, elevated Matt Nod. Um, Matt, we're gonna let you uh, introduce yourself. You are well known to most of us, but there may be a few of uh, us that don't don't know you. And also um, Andrew DeLue, thanks for joining us as well. Um, And uh, like I said, we'll let the two of you, uh, Introduce yourselves and play team tag on on your presentation.
9: Well, maybe I'll start and let Andrew go because I'm going to be moral support uh, and jump in when he needs me. Uh, Andrew's been a great client and uh, awesome leader in this space. And I think this is the second of three evening meetings with Ipsy, Ann Arbor, and Celine's various commissions. So um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Matt Nodd. I live in Ann Arbor on the west side. See by council member, and so I'm waving hi. Um, and uh, I've lived in Ann Arbor since 95. Uh, I was the environmental coordinator for the city since 2001 to 2018, and uh, had an opportunity to retire early, but I joke that I still had a very expensive daughter at the University of Champaign-Urbana. Who did just graduate this year? So, um, so I've been consulting, doing a lot of work with a local firm called Resource Recycling Systems, uh, doing work for the state of Michigan, and with um, a really good team, including Elevate Energy, uh, Chip Smith with Wade Trim, EcoWorks, uh, Beth Gibbons, uh, you know, nationally recognized adaptation expert. Uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, uh, CNT in Chicago with Elevate. Um, we are working on the Washtenaw County Climate Plan, and it's called Resilient Washtenaw, And So that's me, and uh, happy to be a resource if anything else comes up, but uh, I'm going to pass it on to Andrew and let him uh, share with you where we are.
10: Thank you. Matt. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Andrew DeLue. I am the Director of Strategic Planning for Washington County. I'm coming to you from Western County. Uh, we've got some broadband challenges here. So if I happen to sputter a little bit, great for me. Um, so I'm really excited to be here and speaking with all of you. Certainly, you know, the city's work and climate action is the the city uh, in this amount of support both Missy in particular, as well as the other folks in OSI, have, as we've worked to develop our plan. Uh, and so I'm excited to talk to you tonight about what the county's plan like. It's still formative. Um, kind of the, the end goal the process is to go back to our board of commissioners by the end of the year. Um, and we think we've got a pretty good at this point. Certainly there's a lot of work to, to do. Uh, tonight, I'm looking just to tell you about our project, uh, the scope and the, the shape of that project. Uh, We've recently released our draft project framework. Uh, That framework is structured similarly to other climate action plans, but I think there's some some things that will be in Washtenaw County just because of the the space and the communities that we cover. Uh, And then finally, we'd love to hear from all of you, um, either tonight or at some future date, in terms of what what else we need to do. Uh, We've been trying to think about ways that the county's plan uh, can be supportive of the the local plans that are in place and can be very complementary in terms of Again, some of those additional resources that we have, uh, and so would just like to be explicit in terms of asking that question. I think you'll see a lot of alignment in, in terms of what I present, but you know, the the feedback's great.
1: But you
10: know, certainly want to hear you doing things better. Now. So, uh, a brief presentation that was shared with you. Uh, apologies,
1: i Content, which um, the Content, but just scoop me if I am taking um, hey, a
2: break
10: if there's questions. Andrew, this,
2: questions. Andrew this is John Mursky. You might consider yeah on going going off video because you're breaking up, and a lot of times we just see a frozen okay. image of
0: you anyhow. I and mean, Andrew, let me know if you want to share the screen or maybe doing that co-host or if you'd like me to share for broadband
1: reasons.
10: Well, I I hope that's better.
1: Uh, uh, You're still coming in broken. Um, Is that any better? You're... Your um, audio is good.
2: Yeah.
10: Okay. Um, so I, I can't. Uh, Missy, are you able to share your screen?
0: I can absolutely do that. We do that. Right
10: okay. Here. Thank you. Um, and I'll. I don't know if Matt heard this, but Matt, if you're a, if things get too bad for me, I would appreciate if you could uh, jump in and, and take over um so uh as as i've talked about we're here to talk about our climate action plan um if you could please move to the next slide missy uh so our our plan is really focused on both climate mitigation and adaptation uh that's important for a lot of reasons and i will try to touch on those over the course of this uh but the the base goals for the plan have are things that have been set by county board of commissioners through resolution uh, these happened in the past couple of years, there's been other actions taken by our board on climate. Um, but the two that are really pertinent to this would be net zero county operations by 2030 uh, and a net zero Washtenaw County by 2035. Um, we are currently in the process of updating our emissions inventory for the plan. We're not yet done. Uh, we ran into some challenges with data collection. Uh, and, and so recently have had some good progress on that. Uh, but our we did an initial inventory in 2019 Um, And the estimates at that point were 7 million metric tons of CO2 equivalent uh, at at that point. So we think that that's right and and still would certainly expect that to be the right order of magnitude, Um, but we are working to update that and certainly know that we need to have, have good information in terms of the sources of those emissions inside of Washtenaw County. The the county um, relatively is much tinier. Uh, We don't have a water plant. We don't have street lights. We don't have a bunch of the other stuff that the city does. Uh, It's mostly buildings and then vehicles for us. And so our county number uh, is about 14,000 metric tons. Um, And so still still good work to be net zero by 2030. Uh, But the one that I think will be much more challenging is, is certainly the county wide goal in terms of what it will take for us to reach there. Um, And then our our plan is going to look a lot like other plans for good reason, you know, it'll look like A20, uh, it'll look like the city of Ypsilanti's plan, uh, and to some degree it'll look like the state of Michigan's plan, that's intentional, we want to align with those things and be supportive of them where we can, Uh, we want to go beyond them where we need to, Um, but but again, trying to align with the other good work that's being done inside of the county I think is important for us. I think the one thing I would point to in terms of what our plan will include that I think is very important in terms of the county's priorities uh, is the vulnerability assessment. Uh, And so we've been spending a lot of time trying to think about how we can best understand the communities inside of Washtenaw County that will be harmed by climate change. are the things that we're looking at right now is the, the most important things will be understanding uh, folks that are vulnerable to high heat days, uh, folks who are vo- vulnerable to flooding events, uh, and then trying to understand energy burden inside of the county. Um, and the thinking with that is that the county already provides services generally to the most at need inside of Washington County. Uh, and so by incorporating our those types of considerations into our climate action plan, uh, we can make sure that we are Uh, thinking about our actions, helping the people who need the most help, Um, you know, Washtenaw County, there's a lot of folks who are going to be able to do good work on their own and who don't need the county's support to to take climate action. Uh, But there are also people who who won't be able to do this without our support and feeling like again, those are those are going to be the the places where we need to think first uh, in terms of directing our our work. Um, Next slide, please, Missy. Uh, so generally, we're doing this uh, because it's a good government thing. Uh, you know, we think that government can play a role in addressing big social issues. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's why the county is involved in this work. Um, I think past actions have been insufficient, certainly at the county level. Uh, but pick your level in terms of, you know, the insufficiency to date, size and complexity. We you know, stuff doesn't stop at the borders of the city of Ann Arbor or Washtenaw County, certainly. Um, but you know, it, it requires all entities to get involved in thinking about how we can change our society to move away from fossil fuels. Um, the county has a bit of a unique role inside of Washtenaw County and, and in the past has helped um, work in, in other similar issues of, of broader concern and think we can help in this place as well. Uh, and then we've also got very strong direction from our board and the community in terms of, of doing this work. Next slide, please. So uh, the key components of our plan, uh, there's both the organizational and the community goals. We're trying to have those be uh, seamless and well integrated where we can. Uh, Mitigation and adaptation are both really important. Uh, The board has not set adaptation goals, but again, the the priorities of our organization are to think about how we can provide services uh, and provide infrastructure to at-need communities. And so adaptation really goes along quite well with that. Um, We want to be in alignment with existing plans and services of the county and the county both as an organization and and the stuff that happens inside of the county. Uh, We have a very strong equity focus. uh, And you heard me speak to that in terms of the the need for the vulnerability assessment. But we've been trying to think again about the the areas of greatest need and those most likely to be harmed by climate change. Uh, And then collaborative, trying to talk with folks and understand how we are able to do this work uh, while being and this is a challenging balance, but we, I think we wanna be cognizant and aware of the other responsibilities uh, and services that need to be offered while we work on climate change. Um, and, and I can speak more to that, but the reason for that philosophy is, you know, we're trying to get folks on board and, and the county has quite a wide difference of communities in terms of where they stand with climate change, what they've done to date and what they can do. Uh, and so we think that we're going to be more successful um, through that type of approach. Next slide, please, Missy. Thank you. Uh, Matt spoke to the project team. Uh, they're great. You know a lot of them, uh, and so I can speak to them for quite a bit. And but you know, you're probably already familiar with that work, so I won't spend too much time there. But I think we're very fortunate in in terms of the group that we've got working on this plan for the county. Um, so in terms of engagement, uh, lots and lots and lots of engagement, it's probably never enough, but you know we need to keep on putting putting time and effort into talking to people about our plan, understanding what they are concerned about uh, as a means of making sure that we're addressing the right things inside of our plan. Um, so that includes local governments and institutions. Um, within county government, we've spent a lot of time trying to work with staff and, and the different boards, committees, and commissions. Uh, just to touch on that, I think the county, through its boards and committees and commissions, similar to the city of Ann Arbor, you know, gets involved in a lot of work that happens. Uh, And from where I'm sitting, I think that's really a great opportunity to to expand the reach of the county's climate action plan. Um, Very preliminary, but I think as an instructive example, the, the road commission, I think, would be a good example of that, or some of the transportation planning that happens through Watts. Uh, There's a significant amount of of infrastructure spending that happens inside of Washtenaw County. The county is involved in that decision-making. There's not a single decision-maker, but to the extent that we can uh, go to those groups, help them incorporate climate considerations into their decision-making, help them set their own climate goals, we think that, again, we'll we'll be able to get more people involved in this work uh, and through some existing channels that we already have. Um, A lot of discussion with community groups and the general public. Uh, And then we also have two two advisory bodies that have been set up to provide regular check-ins on this. We've got an environmental council, uh, similar to some of the other groups that are out there working on this. That's a subcommittee of the board of commissioners. Uh, But then we've also convened a staff steering committee uh, and that's made up of leadership from around the county Uh, our Parks Department, our Water Resources Commissioner, our Health Department, our Emergency Planning Department, a lot of the the functions of Washtenaw County that are already responding to climate change and are really concerned with how well we do climate change planning going forward. Uh, We've got a website set up. It's a great website. Uh, We'd love to continue to drive people to that website. Um, We have been using this to solicit feedback in the early stages. Uh, We're in a little bit of a lull right now as we do uh, some some more behind the scenes work, but we'll be uh, going back out there as we move into our our second big engagement push later this summer. Um, But we've got a great mapping feature. We've been trying to to get ideas of what people like regarding climate projects or climate action, what they're worried about and, and what they'd like to see done differently. So it, it's been great and would suggest and uh, that you check it out if you haven't already. Uh, so our timeline, um, where we are right now is about halfway through a 12 month project. Uh, and, and I'll say right off the bat that we know the plan that we delivered this year will not be perfect. Uh, and so we are trying to balance the urgency of addressing climate action uh, and then, you know, the, the challenges of, of pursuing perfection with this. Um, just uh, and I can speak to, to more on that. We have just wrapped up and have released our draft framework from
1: We're losing you Andrew. a
9: complimentary set of priorities Okay, Matt, Matt, can you happy to jump in. Okay thank um, you. I think where Andrew was, was, and if you go to the Resilient Washtenaw website, there's a um, a version of this um, slide deck with the uh, strategies and priorities uh, that strategies and principles that the county is starting to focus on. Um, So I think Andrew was just running through this timeline in a perfect world. Um, It did take a long time. We didn't get energy data from DT until last week. And I think that's seven months of uh, waiting, but we did get it and we did get it at the zip code level. So we've got a little more granularity than we expected. So Hank and Elevate are working on that. Um, So we're hoping to have a draft version of this uh, ready for public review comment in August with the idea that we would have a working session with the Board of Commissioners in September uh, so that they could hold uh, at one of their meetings in October, have the plan be on the agenda uh, with the hope that in November it would get approved. Uh, so we'd be looking for any of your thoughts, either formally as a commission, because um, you get to make recommendations, to Ann Arbor City Council, Uh, or individually. So I've told people, feel free to give us good ideas offline and unattributed and we'll get them in the mix. Um, Next slide. So uh, there are seven strategies and the way we've thought about these are just how do you organize the county's climate story and the actions are gonna be the important part. Uh, Currently, we're thinking about organizing them around seven key areas. Uh, what's different about the county is public health is one of their main uh, service areas. So, health is front and center in that work. Uh, currently, talking about energy transition, and we have some language associated with each of these that you can read on the website or in the, in a, if Missy shares this slide deck. Um, we think infrastructure investments uh, is going to be really important. Uh, Water Resources Commissioner, flooding that county-wide stormwater work. Um, currently thinking about uh, the kind of recycling waste world is circular economy. Uh, and how do we really grow that circular economy here in Washtenaw County? Uh, mobility and access, uh, got to reduce transportation emissions, get people out of their vehicles, uh, give people the modes of transportation that they're seeking. Um, and then again, what's different about the county is uh, working farms and natural areas. And how do, how do those fit as you think about climate change? State of Michigan Climate Plan um, came out with a 30 by 30 goal, preserve 30% of the land by 2030. Currently, we're thinking about how does the county fit in that? Um, how would you balance that preservation around working farms versus natural areas? Is there an intersection with, could you preserve land, put solar on it, suboptimal ag land, uh, put solar on it, and then put lots of compost and grazing, and then 30 years from now, turn that back into much more optimal ag land. So kind of some interesting thoughts in that area. So those are the strategies, how we're organizing the big ideas in the plan and starting to build the actions that go within. And a lot of those are pretty well known. You know, we need to do energy efficiency and electrify everything. And I think the key question for the county is what's really in the county's wheelhouse that they can help with directly? And then how do they, again, the unique part of the county, and I think if Andrew didn't mention it, I think this is the first county climate plan in the state of Michigan. Um, but a key part of this is how do you get 28 local units of government who don't always have to play nice together to work together to solve for climate and um, uh, protect public health and environment from a uh, changing climate? So those are the strategies. What's really important as well are the principles. And the ideas. there, these are county priorities. County has a racial equity office. They've declared race, um, racism an emergency in the county. So these are the kind of, all of the actions will be um, how the priority is set will be based on how well they move the needle on carbon, move the needle on adaptation, but also racial equity and environmental justice, the idea of just transition. How do we, there's real opportunities to create good jobs if we do this right. Uh, Resilient economy. Again, there's an economic development opportunity by keeping money that was going to ship coal into Michigan and keeping that here in Washtenaw County. Um, Again, health fits in both of these categories because many of these Actions are going to have a public health benefit, Uh, again, because of the county's convening role. What are the roles of the NGOs, the partners, the local governments in kind of helping work together on this? Uh, A lot of this is uh, looking at opportunities to scale the good work that's already going on at the local units, um, and how do we kind of work together and do that countywide. Communication, transparent engagement. Um, And so for each of those strategies, we're really trying to focus on just big five, 10 actions in each of those categories. We're hoping not to make this a 150 page plan, but really focus on those high level, move the needle actions, lots of other work that's gonna go on through the years and low hanging fruit, but that's the idea of where we are right now. Next slide, Missy. So um, the the way we're trying to describe this, and we've shared this with the public, Andrew talked about there's goals, how to set the what are are the goals for the county as an organization, countywide, carbon neutral by 2035. I talked about the principles, really important priorities of the county that we want to use to set the priorities for the actions, strategies, how we're organizing it around these seven categories and then those actions. And again, really trying to focus on um, those things that reduce carbon emissions. And as you all know, it's going to be really hard for the county to get to carbon neutral by 2035. Without DTE doing a lot of things. Um, We're also exploring things like carbon offsets, a lot of a lot of greenwashing in that carbon offset space. And we've gotten some good feedback that You know, we got to be careful about those, but there's a lot of good work on uh, land preservation, kind of taking suboptimal ag land, using it for pollinators. There's a great guy at Michigan State that's doing national work for USDA and how do you pay people to do that? Um, So I think it's one of those things that we're probably not going to solve it by the end of this planning process, but Um, I think a county local carbon offset program would be a really interesting thing for the community to build. Next slide. So I think I'm not going to go through all these words. Missy can share these slides. This is some of the language, and we would welcome somebody who says, hey, I think there's a much better way to phrase this, wordsmithing um but these are the phrases we're trying to use to kind of clarify what we're meaning in each of these areas next slide talked about that next slide and again Missy's going to share those this is some of the language we're using associated with each of the strategies so again please take a minute and read that um next slide so Once we get these actions, and we have a couple of events coming up where, I forget whether Andrew mentioned, but for each of the strategies, seven areas, we invited um, county staff from cross departments to work together and start talking about what are you doing already? What could you do if you could scale it with more money and resources? What are some big windows of opportunity? Are you building a new building that could be, you know, we heard it from one of the commenters all electric Um, and one of the county buildings, new parks at Stabler is all electric. Um, So how are we gonna um, use these um, uh, different criteria to set those priorities? So next slide. Uh, We talked about this a little bit, Um, Board of Commissioners ideally will approve this in November What we didn't mention is a separate piece of our work is recommendations on staffing. What kind of staffing should the county be looking at? Because someone needs to own this work into the future. Um, Funding and financing the program. Um, There's some models for ways local governments work together around climate. And there's some communities that have been at this collaborative working for 10 years? And what are those models that Washtenaw County might look at? Um, How does the county plan fit between the state plan and A20, the Ipsy work, things like that? We talked about coordination with local governments. Next slide. So with that, and Andrew, if you can, you've got bandwidth, you can fill in what I missed, but Resilientwashnaw.org is our website. And I've got one more thing to add. Climate at is a general email. Um, but Andrew's email is a great place to send things directly. I do want to add that, you know, a uh, uh, an opportunities come up where Ann Arbor Township has decided to go out and explore climate planning. They put out an RFP. Um and what ultimately happened is they're gonna work with the county so that their plan aligns with the county framework, that the kind of plan that's developed will really be a set of actions and implementation that really fit the township's needs. Um, and so that process will be just behind the county process, which is good, but it also gives us a, a potential model for how some of the other local units of government in the county might work on their own more granular planning around climate adaptation, but do it in a way that aligns with this broader county umbrella. Um, So uh, really kudos to Ann Arbor Township for one, deciding to work on this, but also deciding to work on it in a way that um, is more likely to align well with the county's project. Andrew, so I,
10: um, this is Andrew again. I hope I'm coming through clearer now. Uh, glad, glad to see the nods. Thank you, Matt. Um, I, I think Matt touched on, on all of it. I think just the, the points that I'd really like to reiterate um, would be trying to align with other plans. I think there's a lot of good work that's already happening inside of the county. Uh, the county doesn't want to do, recreate new stuff that's already working well, right? Uh, and so to the extent that we can look to other folks and help support things that are going well, I think is going to be a key strategy for us. Um, and certainly there's a lot to, to look to in what's happening in the city of Ann Arbor I'm glad that this presentation is happening before Missy's update because it'd be a really hard thing to follow in terms of all the work that the city's uh, re- reporting on and, and what's happened over the past year but I say that in terms of you know there's again there's a lot of good work that is happening across the county and, and not only with Ann Arbor and, and so I think to the extent that the county can um, you know help support those things is a, a really a really key part of how we're trying to approach this work.
1: Thank you gentlemen. I'd like to open things up now for uh, questions and discussion if appropriate. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Go ahead, Commissioner McCumber.
6: Um, thank you, Matt and Andrew it's. Nice to see the language about um, justice and equity. Um, I'm curious to know as part of this planning process, if um, community members, particularly um, vulnerable communities of vulnerable communities are being involved in the planning process?
10: Yes. Yes, they are. I think, you know, we're not done with that, but we've been trying to focus our outreach and engagement. I think um, it's been easy for us to talk to a lot of groups that are already doing this work and, you know, uh, people have been calling us up and we're certainly happy to talk to them. Um, But I think in in terms of the quality of the plan uh, and our ability to meet the goals that we've just discussed, uh, we we need to talk to those groups. Um, And and so those groups, there's a lot of them in the Eastern County and perhaps the Eastern County comes to mind first, but not exclusively. Uh, a lot of parts of the rural county uh, have different challenges as, as vulnerable communities. Those things look different when you think about what those might mean with climate change. Um, but, but again, we're really trying to, to put a lot of extra additional effort into to reaching out to those vulnerable communities. Um, we've got a good sense of, of where those folks are. The county already has an opportunity index tool that we use in, in policy development and program considerations. Um, some of our initial uh our initial work uh, or initial think um, not thinking but the initial versions of our vulnerability assessment show a lot of overlap with that tool um and and so i think we we generally know where those communities are maybe not specifically enough to do actual programmatic decisions um, but but we know where we need to focus our outreach efforts um, so maybe that's a little bit long-winded but I, I think to your question yes we think it's really important uh, yes, we've been spending time and effort doing that. We, we are not perfect with it and we have more to do, um, but we will continue to do that over, over the rest of our planning process and then beyond the, the planning process as well.
9: And Bridget, I'll add, um, I think Andrew's in the process of there's gonna be some handouts going out in the community on the East side, um, about 3000. So we're trying to tap into some of these opportunities where the county's already working. Um, to kind of get the word out. We've done some work, direct outreach to some of the um, Black pastors on Superior Township and Ipsy, and COVID's been a challenge, trying to get in front of congregations and things like that. But, you know, some of that effort is getting out there. It's just probably not as much or enough as any of us would like.
10: Yeah. And and, and I'd, I'd ask, you know, if there's any specific groups that you all know of that we should be talking to, please pass those on. I think where we've had the the best engagement has been through referrals uh, and, you know, not super large meetings, but smaller groups, you know, of, of 10 or so and, and being able to have a good discussion in terms of, you know, climate change in Washtenaw County. Um, and so those things uh, steam, not steamroll, but they, uh, they escalate and they kind of lead to, to additional discussion. So I would appreciate any referrals, but but we're continuing to do that work.
6: That sounds that sounds great. I just have a, another follow-up question. I'm curious if, um, so reaching out and getting people's input is a great thing. Um, is there an intent to like create a citizens and advisory board? Um,
10: yeah, that, that's the role that our environmental council is playing right now. Uh, that, that group uh, was called or convened to help uh, direct the county's work on sustainability and the climate action plan. Uh, and so we're, we're looking to them to do that. That's a public group. They meet the fourth Tuesday of the month. Uh, they're open meetings uh, similar to this. Um, and so have appointments there. Um, they're, they're more of a steering committee. Uh, they, they don't do the actual outreach work, but that's the, the main channel we have through that. Plus a whole bunch of uh, direct, direct input mechanisms for the public.
6: Mm-hmm. And are there records, is that, uh, is there a good representation from the, some of the vulnerable communities on that? Uh,
10: yes. I, I mean, I think probably not, not, I can send you the list and you can make your own determination on that. I think we, we've got a lot, a bunch of folks from around the County. Um, it's primarily based on, uh, you know, um, background experience in terms of why they're seated on that group. Um, so it's not a geographic determination, but it is made up of, of people from around the county.
1: Thanks. Other questions or comments? Anyone else? I have a couple of quick ones and I'll also comment, um, the email or on your website.
2: Um, I'm aware of the Wolfpack um, convening of a lot of uh, entities within the county, um, City of Ann Arbor, U of M. um, That that was done at WCC, by the way, with EMU, etc. There's a whole bunch of different entities there. Um, Missy, I know you've had some talks with people since then. And I'm wondering between um, some of the key players, if is there now sort of a path forward that, that uh, will continue to take place and that there will be some kind of formal coordinating
1: role? What's, can anybody comment on that?
10: Um, so I'll, I, I can, and I, okay, I wouldn't great. want to speak for Missy, um, but I, I think what I'll say is it's been clear to the County that there's, uh, there's utility and, and having a coordinated voice uh, from Washtenaw County when we talk about legislative changes in Lansing, uh, being able to speak to possibly pursue outside funding. Um, I think that's that's been, as we've worked through this, you know, the discussion that Matt referenced with Ann Arbor Township, you know, folk, folks are looking to not want to replicate this work because, you know, there's a lot of work to be done and replication doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of how we spend our time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in terms of what comes next, there's you know, from where I'm sitting, there's still that need, but the decision in terms of how, how we best work together hasn't been determined. Um, but I think, yeah, I hope you've heard through the philosophy that we've expressed through our planning process, you know, that, that the county certainly wants to be collaborative uh, and, and to work with other, other groups with this work. Um, I, I don't think we've used, you know, I certainly wouldn't describe our approach as being authoritative, uh, you know, and I think there's probably some trade-offs with that, given you know the the work that we're talking about to be done. But um, you know, I think we're we're trying to think through that. And so um, I've had you know informal discussions with Missy, with others, uh, and you know from around the county, and and we'll continue to think on that. But um, I, I guess I, I hope I, I see that as being something that will be really useful in terms of helping the county uh, pursue our, our climate goals.
2: Okay. And the one other main question or comment. I guess question that I add is with regards to financing, Matt mentioned it briefly, Um, but um, financing is so important to a plan. I'm wondering if that's gonna be a core element of the plan or if the intent is to uh, similar to frankly, what Ann Arbor did and to some degree, what U of M did is develop um, a plan with strategies, actions, recommendations, whatever you wanna call them. And then deal with the financing after that has been digested, if you will, by residents and by leaders in the county. How, what's your thinking on that? Or have
10: you? even? Developed? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be both. You know, our, our board set the goals very clearly uh, and they said, give us a plan that meets these goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we've got good benchmarks from inside of the county in terms of what it will take uh, regarding money to meet those goals. Um, and we, the county does not have uh, billions of dollars sitting around right now to dedicate to climate. Um, so I, I think we, we certainly need to give a, an idea of the magnitude of the costs involved with this. Um, I, I think it, it probably won't be perfect. It, it'll. I think we're trying to, as we consider the climate actions, understand not only the cost, but the value of, of spending money uh, on the plans, and, and what we can get with both the emissions reduction and adaptation benefits from various things, as we as we think about costs. Um, that's that you know that's how the county tries to think about things. Just not spending money, but what do you get for it? Uh, so um, I say that, and that we we need to include money, uh, but we will not have all the money day one. And that you know the 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 way in which we do this plan is going to require investment over time for the life of and beyond the plan. Um, as a practical matter, we're also trying to think about, or I'm trying to think about the existing spending that already happens inside of the county, both both things where the county board of commissioners directly controls the budget, but other things, uh, again, like transportation spending that happens inside of Washtenaw County, infrastructure spending that might be coming to Washtenaw County, and thinking about how we can Use our participation in those decision-making processes to alter the outcomes. Um, knowing that, you know, again, getting um, getting a dedicated pot of money is something that uh, will be very challenging and will take time. Um, so, so trying to think about all of the the funding and financing options that we will have uh, as as a means of doing this. And, and I think just to touch on that again. Uh, or maybe take a different approach. Really, the, the county is trying to approach this in a very comprehensive manner, right? And we're already spending money on parks and natural areas preservation. Those things do a lot of climate benefits. We haven't necessarily quantified them as a climate uh, climate action previously, but, but we're already spending money in doing that stuff. And so I think it's quite feasible for us to to measure those things and to say, what's the value we get for that? Uh, and, and I think we can then look to those funds through that lens and,
9: and give us uh, a bit of a starting point as we talk about the resources needed to, to do this. Great. I'm Let's gonna add, to me two things. Go just real quick. Um, Remy Long, who's now a city employee has been using a tool that I believe was developed by C students um, looking at the stored carbon in some of the land that's preserved. And it's been great. And we're going to try and see whether that's something we can just start looking at what's the order of magnitude of stored carbon in the preserved land. And that's the forested land. Ag's going to be a little different. Um, and, Pac, if you have any students, because what we're hearing is it does the stored carbon, but it hasn't, it's not looking forward as to the ongoing sequestration potential. Um, so, that's one of the things we've been talking with. The nice thing is we've shared that work with the state of Michigan, because in the Michigan Healthy Climate Plan, I think it was a little more back of the envelope. And so they're interested in taking that tool and maybe seeing how they can use that as the state thinks about the Healthy Climate Plan. The other thing I wanted to add is, if you don't know, SEMCOG is doing a GHG emission inventory for all seven counties. Um, So there's, again, an opportunity to kind of is that going to be a regional scale that we might be able to work together um, across seven counties, not just within one?
1: That's good news. Um, does anybody else want to comment or um, offer up any questions? Okay, so I would encourage everyone to uh, noodle over this, so to speak,
2: and if you have any. Thoughts, uh, please share those um, via the contacts that are on the last page. um, Or some of you probably know Matt and uh, Andrew personally and have their addresses, um, and you can contact them directly. So, thanks very much for the presentation. I'm really excited about what you're doing. And I also just want to thank both of you um, for your long careers in public service, and we really
1: appreciate what you're doing. And um, especially now I'm directing this on on climate action at the county level, that's great. So thanks a lot.
10: Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Apologies for the technical difficulty, but glad to be here. (laughs) No
9: problem. Happens to all of us, unfortunately. Made it work. All right, so good to see folks and meet the new folks and happy to help as we do this work.
1: And um, Matt and Andrew, of course, you're
2: um, more than welcome to Day on and uh, listen to the next presentation, which is um, Missy's presentation of 820
0: at two. at 2 I know it's crazy. I'm gonna see if someone is free but I can introduce you to, and he may not be. But in our attendee list is the newest member of OSI, Joe. Uh, he's coming over right now. Joe, do you wanna say hi really quick to everybody?
10: Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Joe. Um, I just started yesterday here at OSI, um, coming from a couple of places, but did undergrad at Michigan State, grad school at uh, Indiana University in uh, public affairs, and environmental science, and I've done a couple various things in climate change and such. So really happy to be here and looking forward to working with all of you.
1: To meet we're
0: you, right to work, night two, like day two, we're doing a night meeting. So, Joe, thanks so much for joining us. We're glad to have you. <clears throat> so to jump in, uh,
2: I... You, you're, you're, at least for me, you're coming over not as clearly on audio as you were before.
0: Right now, I'm not coming clear.
2: Does anybody else have the same
1: sort of effect? Yeah, it's just, um, I don't know how to describe it. Right. I'm going to try this way. Is this any better? Nope.
2: No, not really, I mean, we're, you're I, we, we can hear the audio, but it's
0: just a little muddled, I'll say let
1: me cough. <coughs> I'll pretend it's me and not uh-huh. you all
0: right let me just check out real quick
7: i don't I don't seem to think that it's a connection is, issue, Missy. It sounds maybe more like your microphone sounds further away from me that okay.
1: yeah.
4: It sounds fine to me, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay, y'all,
0: yeah, we are problem solvers. I mean, I'll talk loud. I'm the only one in the office, so I'll do that.
1: All right. Here we go, 820 at
0: 2 which is bonkers because we're already in year three. you uh, so much for the opportunity to share a little bit about what we've got going on here in OSI and how things have been moving forward. And I do have to start by saying, this isn't all, there's just so many people that we would have to thank that have helped make the progress that we've made. And of course, it's not enough. Uh, But I also think that we spend a lot of time focusing on what we didn't do, and not as much time celebrating what we have done. And sometimes uh, we need that to help keep the momentum going forward for the big fights that are ahead of us. So this is a a moment to kind of reflect back. Um, I will definitely do some self-adulation of all the things we didn't do in the midst of this, but I also do want to take a moment and sort of celebrate what the team uh, and the community has accomplished. So let's start with a quick look back. So starting with year one, uh, I am going to go off because it's showing on my other screen. So I'm with you. I'm just going to go off camera to make this not look awkward. In year one of A20, some of the notable highlights, we have this report on the website, so you can take a, a gander at it. But we had the solar program, right? And we had 1.3 megawatts of solar. Through that initiative, we hit SolSmart designation. We were really focusing a lot on renewable energy. We launched the Aging in Place Efficiently program and really built the collaboration and the partnerships to see that, that program gain some momentum. We launched the ambassadors, A2-3 ambassadors, and trained our first 22 individuals. We launched the 10,000 Trees Initiative and got 1,000 trees in the ground in year one. We were able to create the first resilience hub at Northside Community Center. And we started the design with uh, Zingermans and others for the A2-R3 Returnable Container Program. <laughs> so really, uh, year one for us was... A lot of structural setting up the systems, the work plans, the frameworks, and then running at a few of these these programs here. Year two, as we transitioned over, (laughs) became a lot of implementation of uh, kind of using that foundation that was built in year one. And I want to start by saying of the 44 actions in A20, in this this second year, we actively worked on 36 plus. Uh, So a lot of things are in play. And the plus is because A20 is living, right? So, one of the things I talk about most commonly is when we wrote A20, we analyzed telework and we didn't think it was possible at the scale necessary. And of course, we had a pandemic that showed us that telework is possible for some constituents, but not all. And so, it, it seemed relevant to start working on supporting telework which is not one of the actions in A20, but it is an action that's helping reduce DMT for some portions. So that's the plus. Uh, things that sort of come up that are really, really relevant strategic opportunities or things that honestly we wanted to do, we just didn't think would have the success that, that they're having right now. <clears throat> so I'm gonna walk through these based on the strategies, just as an organizing principle, uh, recognizing that everyone spends their time thinking about the seven strategies of A20, but I do. So we'll start with strategy 1, which is powering our electrical grid with 100% renewable energy. Some of the accomplishments from this last year are solarize went from 1.3 megawatts to 3 megawatts and we're over because we put this out weeks ago. Uh, it's really really exciting to see how that program, the behavioral science behind it is spreading. Uh, we also have a map that I just saw today for the first time showing how it actually works in neighborhoods and how solar clusters through the program. So we'll be sharing that. Uh, I'll be sharing that kind of as we're going into year three, some of the visualizations and reporting that we're hoping to get in place. <clears throat> uh, we also started conversations for the commercial side of the solarize program. date, it's been residential focused. We know we're missing an opportunity in the commercial sector, but we also know commercial roofs look very different. Washington Dairy's roof is different than the YMCA's roof, which is different than Grizzly Peak. Uh, doesn't mean there's not opportunity, but we want to really work with those entities to figure out what this can look like. So Julie is on uh, the commercialized uh, the, the commercial side of this program, with Jen Culbertson at the 2030 District. Uh, Successfully, we've integrated a lot more education around efficiency and electrification into Solarize. Of course, solar, uh, we sort of talk about it as like the chickpea steak, if you will. People are really excited about it, it's the main course, but we need them to also be thinking about electrification and efficiency at that time. And so we use that as a gateway uh, for folks and it seems to be working in terms of people get solar and then they wanna do what's next and they're already teed up for what comes in the system. And then of course, uh, not enough for Ann Arbor to do this on their own. So we worked with the Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association, created a replication guide for Solarize and launched the Ann Arbor Solar Stories, where folks who have gone through the Solarize program uh, every month have an opportunity to share their story with others, which just kind of helps people uh, understand and makes it much more personal what, it, what the journey is like, uh, if you're capable of investing in solar. We also this year designed four megawatts of solar at city facilities, I wrote this before I knew uh, council approved a contract for just shy of one megawatt on Monday night, <clears throat> not yesterday but last Monday. Uh, that is at nine city parks and also includes some ground and some rooftop systems, five solar carports, twenty-six electric vehicle chargers, and two batteries—one for the senior center and one for vets. So Burn Senior Center will be coming online as our next resilience hub. Uh, as will Bryant Community Center, which I'll talk about in the end. So we're really excited to see those move. We also uh, did a lot of work this year on the 20-megawatt landfill solar project, which is now named the Wheeler Solar, uh, the Wheeler Center Solar Park. Uh, this one went on ice at the very end, uh, literally after, gosh, the energy commission meeting that we had. When we brought it forward and you passed the resolution, the tariffs had just been announced. Uh, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. With last week's announcement that the president invoked the Defense Act uh, to invest in solar and put a moratorium on uh, the, these tariffs, this is off ice. So we're waiting on updated pricing, and I hope to have this move forward by the end of the summer uh, to contracting. So that, that'll be a success. Hopefully, in year three, we'll see this project break ground. Um, and we continue to intervene in. Uh, rape cases, we are interveners in 2836, which is the rate case currently being heard by the Public Service Commission. We intervened, as you all know, and got settlement in 2713, which was the Migraine, well, the Voluntary Green Pricing Program, which includes the Migraine Power Program, and that's how we got Wheeler Center Solar Park to become Sorry, a, community, that's Siri, a community solar initiative, uh, which we're uh, delighted to see. It's, it would be the first in D.C.'s territory. We also, in in year two, developed a proposal for the Sustainable Energy utility, and we joined a working group with the World Resources Institute, looking and starting to get ahead, uh, thinking about how we plan for a 24-7 power offering. So while our goal in A2Zero is 100% renewables, we've always thought about that as a year kind of shore up. Over the course of the year, we used X. Did we also generate X or purchase X amount of clean energy? Uh, I anticipate that in the not-too-distant future, we're going to want to try to get to real time. When I'm using electrons, I'll use to speed underneath. And that requires a very different type of planning. So we've joined a working group to start getting ahead of that strategy. Heading to strategy two, which is beneficial electrification, we have hosted a number of uh, resident facing educational workshops on this topic and uh, have incredible turnout, more so than I expected. So much so that after uh, last summer, a workshop that we hosted with uh, a few hundred attendees we started to panic uh, that we would have a bunch of people let loose on the market and not have contractors to support them, which is why we worked with Michigan SAVES and got a grant from the state to create an electrification training and contractor badging program. It is live, it was launched uh, at the end of 2021. You can go into the Michigan SAVES website, you can search for, if you need an HVAC contractor, and you'll see this orange badge uh, that's demarcated here against any contractor, that has gone through the training program and is certified as electrification first. So this is a contractor that is knowledgeable about electrification options for things in like cold climate air source heat pumps. So instead of being talked out of something, you have someone who's capable of really understanding your situation and helping you make the right decision, which might not be a full or source heat pump, but it might very well be. So you don't want to start from the assumption that you've got to convince your contractor to do something. You want to start from the assumption that you're both going to find the best solution to your situation. So excited that this is launched, and it's uh, the training program is across the state, so it's not just Ann Arbor. Anyone in the state uh, can go through this program and get the badge. We asked to join a cohort with RMI, formerly the Rocky Mountain Institute. We're working on other cities to design an electrification campaign, kind of similar, similar to the Solarize campaign, but thinking about the nuances in our climate where electrification, electricity is more expensive than natural gas. So how do you actually design a campaign? How do you structure it? How do you support it? How do you make it accessible to lots of different folk? Uh, so Julie sits on that with fun. We, we yeah. also worked with IBAW and NECA on the Futures Electric uh, initiative which helps people understand, and you can see the screenshot here, uh, understand the opportunities around electrifying and actually helps point them to uh, contractors here that pay living wages, family sustaining uh, wages, uh, to help people make that transition. We developed the H0 home assessment, which we're piloting in Bryant. This combines strategy one, two, and three. So I put it here, but it's all things it's looking at the renewable energy potential on site and energy audit. Um, and uh, an electrification assessment. This is kind of like the, f- the full service. So you get a roadmap to have, how to decarbonize uh, your home. And we've piloted it in about 12 homes in uh, Bryant right now. The goal is to pilot in about 100. Uh, so we're actively recruiting more folks into that initiative. We've drafted the Green Rail Housing Initiative. And this is, Zach talked about it a number of times to so the commission, had a lot of public engagement and activity on this. Uh, it is with legal for some initial feedback. And I've kept people very, very busy on something uh, for the last four weeks. So I haven't got any feedback from them and keeping them focused. But uh, this hopefully will, will come loose in the next few weeks. So we will be able to see this move forward in your screen. We've been working on many, many elements of the energy concierge, uh, especially more recently, the people service portion of this. So we've been talking with folks like EcoWorks and Elevate to actually create um, someone, someone. Uh, an actual person that can help folks when they have questions, navigate what to do, help find contractors, find services. Uh, and I'm working on a contract uh, right now to help pilot this initiative. So this might be in year, uh, it saddles year two and three. We've successfully uh, transitioned 20% of the city's fleet to electric. We have our refuse trucks on order. They uh, were ordered quite a while ago. They are back ordered in supply chain issues, but we expect the first one to hit the street sometime this fall, and shortly thereafter, the second uh, to come in uh, to operation, which I'm, I'm really excited to see those big trucks come into the pool. If you don't know, on July uh, 15th, we have an electrification expo that's happening at the farmer's market. This is something that we plan based on public input and excitement around electrification. So we, as of today, have 30 vendors signed up to come and talk, uh, bring equipment, show people the benefit of electrification, uh, kind of we'll let people interact with appliances. It's for renters, it's for homeowners, it's for businesses. Anyone can come uh, and enjoy some time learning about electrification and actually engaging with folks who can help make that happen. We installed uh, 40 dual port chargers in DNA garages. That's 80 additional chargers uh, and not 40. That would be incorrect. That's a typo. We have four fast chargers at city hall. 40 would be insane. I would single-handedly have blown up the MISO grid. Uh, So I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And, you know, this is a small one, but a really significant one. We updated our permitting system across the city. And as we were doing that, we successfully got... Uh, electrification into the permitting process, which means as people are doing things like installing um, induction stove versus a range or putting in a heat pump, when they have to pull a permit, we're actually getting that information. So we're able to track how many people are transitioning to electric, which is great because without that data, it's sort of hard to know how effective uh, some of our outreach initiatives have been. Strategy three is around energy efficiency. Here we passed Michigan's very first benchmarking ordinance for energy and water, which is super great. The first deadline was June 1st. Um, we have extended the deadline until August 1st because it's the first time, right? That people are reporting. We're learning a lot about the struggles that they're having. And every, it's been really successful. And I want to once again do a shout out to the 2030 district who's been helping us with this. Uh, overall, we're really impressed by what we're seeing. People are engaging in the system. Um, and it's starting to lead to questions about how folks can reduce their energy consumption, which is the goal. We have completed 19 homes in the Aging in Place Efficiently program. The program is officially out of money. It is grant funded, but we are fundraising. And you'll see that's a high priority for us for year three because we have a very long wait list of older adults who are in pretty desperate need of some support uh, to be able to stay in a home safely and reduce their energy usage. We also uh, were asked to join a White House coalition on energy performance and water performance, which we did. Uh, I wish I could tell you more about what that looks like yet. Uh, it just formed, and we're not 100% sure, but I believe we go into uh, discussions later this week to kind of create much more structure uh, around what this will look like. But exciting to have vanguard communities from around the country sit with the White House and be able to really for some support uh, federally on that, the kinds of initiatives we're moving forward uh, we worked with Jen Hall and the Housing Commission, and together we won $2.5 million to support net zero energy affordable housing. Right now, the RFPs are on the street for the final work that we need to do to make uh, a number of Housing Commission sites net zero energy. But this is super exciting. And so, this was an earmark that we won uh, largely because of teamwork, uh, because we keep promoting this and doubling down our community's commitment to affordable housing. I think really elevating this project. We have also submitted a grant, uh, $2 million grant to support the work in Bryant, fingers crossed. Um, You'll see later, we won a number of smaller grants. This larger grant from the Department of Energy would really help us actually make the improvements in the neighborhood. Continue pushing for the codes uh, to be updated at the state level. There's a hearing that's happening shortly. uh, I'll happily forward that to the commission. And then I just saw yesterday that the residential code is now up for comment. So we continue to organize around that. We designed the carbon neutral fire station in, so in tandem, obviously, with the fire department and we are actually fundraising. It'll be the first in the state of Michigan. And we think it's the first east of the Mississippi, uh, but all depends on when we break ground. Uh, and then kind of just a little bit of inside work. We have successfully integrated uh, sustainability into the city's plan review process. So as uh, a developer comes forward with a project for an idea, we want to be at the table at the very beginning, and we had not historically been. So this year, we were able to get at that table. So right from the beginning, we can talk about E20, the goals that we have, the objectives. Uh, and this, this just happened recently, and that changes a lot of the tone and tenor. So by the time we get to planning commission, we've already had conversations. We've already worked through many issues. We've already asked for electrification, as opposed to coming in at the end. It's really hard to change when a project's fully designed, but when you're at the beginning of a process, you have a chance. And then um, we've done energy audits at four of our city facilities. And right now we're working on a plan to make them the first
1: four fully decarbonized buildings we have in the city. In terms of strategy four, reducing our VMT by 50%. So we
0: uh, are working on a carbon calculator, which is helping us uh, analyze transportation emissions and include both in planning projects so as people are proposing developments what's the impact of having people closer further away but also for us to understand how people are moving and have a more effective calculator to be able to gauge the kinds of decisions like protective lanes. what really is the impact that those have on the system versus extending sidewalks versus a bus expansion all are needed but we want to sort of understand where and how those things function we uh, are working with planning actively. We meet with planning every week right now and trying to find ways to integrate A2Zero into the unified development code. Um, and there's lots of changes that have come forward, like they're removing a parking uh, minimum. This was one of the things that we worked on. And there's some other work uh, around solar siding. We're working to uh, do away with height restrictions when it's solar. Solar is the thing that breaks the height restriction, whether that's on a pole or on a roof. So things like that, uh, front yard solar, you're likely going to see that coming back uh, as something that's valuable. And then uh, continue to support protected bike lanes. We've seen growing ridership, which is really great. Uh, we've got bike discount programs, uh, and then I already mentioned the parking ones. You're doing great, almost done. Strategy five is moving towards a circular economy. So we have our reusable container program, which is expanding, super exciting. We were a number of grants for this. We've been successful in getting some, some grants to actually secure uh, funding to do a business plan. So far, the city has really supported this initiative, but we know if it's going to take off. And we have a lot of people who are interested in being a part of this. But we've been reluctant to bring more businesses in until we have a sustainable business plan. So uh, we have a nonprofit that's ready to run with this. They just want a grant to help develop that business plan. And hopefully uh, in year three, you're going to see this take off throughout the whole we'll community, which makes me really happy. We did move to around composting. Hooray. Uh, We're we'll beginning in a few days downtown commercial recycling. Uh, City Council directed us, and we've been actively working on a sustainable food purchasing policy for city purchases. But we've also got a working group that's helping us think about how we do this within the community and what does sustainable food mean? Is it local? Is it organic? Does it have, is it plant forward, plant based? Does it have no packaging? All of those things are really important workers' rights, animal rights. So we're trying to figure out how we in the city frame sustainable food and how we score it. How do we let people know what is the most sustainable option? And it's uh, it's a really exciting area of work and it's a work where people have very strong feelings about what sustainable food means. So we've been talking to the university around this as well uh, and a little bit with Ann republic public schools to make sure we have some alignment around how we classify uh, food. We have successfully run two zero waste uh, week-long challenges. Uh, over a thousand folks that participated in those challenges. And in the fall, we're going to win our third with the University of Michigan students. We're going to continue this. It was just wildly successful, super, super fun. Hopefully you guys participated and If not, I can't wait for you to do it. Uh, really, really accessible. Um, And then we also are working on a circular economy strategy. So we have a working group and we've been doing a bunch of outreach to different stakeholders to understand who's already operating within the circular economy space. We're doing a map of businesses that are in the circular economy. There's way more than I ever knew existed.
9: And then also trying
0: to figure out how we tie all these things together into a more holistic approach uh, to advancing the circular economy. And then, uh, just as, as an side, we started to really ramp up our work on reducing refrigerants within the system because while there's not a lot, they have extremely high global warming uh, potential. So, thank
1: you. Really have. Strategy six relates to my enhancing the resilience uh, of our community. We have
0: uh, we've planted 2,500 trees for a free tree giveaway and our community tree plantings, which is just amazing to me. So, these are trees on private property. Um, we also have all of the support. Uh, we've got a support app for folks. We've got education uh, for folks that help make sure that we're not just planning trees, we're maintaining the trees that we're putting in the ground. Uh, staff went through master rain gardener training, and we're starting to promote that way more in the community because flooding is getting more intense, as we saw by the storm night. Uh, and so we want to be able to help residents as they're making choices about installing green infrastructure to maintain, um, to maintain their site and avoid flooding. We've installed the very first air quality monitors in the city, one in Kerrytown and one in Bryan. There are two more sitting in the office next to me. One is going to go on Main Street and one is going in an Arab Republic school so we can monitor idling emissions and identify solutions there. Um, And then we have a goal for many more coming into the system in the coming years. Uh, We're working with the hazard mitigation team to integrate climate more holistically into that plan. You may be familiar, we've done this in the past, but we didn't go really, really deep. And this time it is it is just entrenched in that plan, uh, the impacts of climate change, both directly and indirectly. Uh, and that's it's cascading through all the actions that are falling out. Public comment. Um we have one public kind of uh period during the planning process, and we've got another coming up soon. And I can't wait to bring maybe we can bring that plan forward to the, the commission for your comments more questions. Um, I'm gonna buzz through the rest of this because you guys are doing great, and it's like So, we uh, have actually funded the second and third resilience hubs. Yay! So, in the last few weeks, we funded Bryant Community Center to uh, move forward. And as I mentioned before, the senior center. We've also been doing resilience assessments with Avalon because we want to make sure our housing commission sites are top. Uh, Second and third cohorts and ambassadors are through the system. That soil carbon calculator Matt talked about, Matt now talked about it. We funded it. Uh, Sean staffed it. So, super exciting to see it being used throughout the, uh, the community. And then we did some modest support for No More May, but are gearing up to make No More May a thing that Ann Arbor does not And then in the other category, uh, just uh, last week, we finished the final tranche of funding for the Sustaining Ann Arbor Together grant program. So we will have given up $100,000 this year to community uh, initiatives focusing on community-based sustainability and progress. Uh, we are in the beginning of an anti-riding campaign campaign with Ann Arbor Public Schools, and you already mentioned that air quality monitor, that's, that's part of it to really understand what emissions Sorry. are, so we can reduce them. Uh, the Collaborators Network continues to grow, and we just continue to do public engagement. Never enough, as you heard Andrew say, uh, but a really, fun, a really fun part of what we do. So we had over 100 community meetings, presentations, events, discussions uh, over the last year.
1: So I want to just take a minute and acknowledge um,
0: some cool things. Right, uh, we were recognized as one of only 95 communities around the world to be an A-list community for our work, uh, in particular on um, transparency and reporting. We are a Michigan Green Community uh, Gold community, which is great. I want to call out Simi Barr, when an EV champion from Cranes, which is so wonderful. Sean won the government award for urban and community forestry here in the state of Michigan. Julie was named a George Sexton Public Servant of the Earth the Best Possible Award. I think you could ever get that title. It's amazing. Uh, Galen was appointed to the Board of the Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association. The SEU won the Project of the Year from GLREA. So there, it's great. It, and, and I really wanted to put that forward, too, because sometimes I think the team focuses on all the things that we still have to do, as opposed to the fact that we are making some progress. So just to close out, I want to tell you a little bit about what's coming. Forward, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna riff off this. So the the thing I'm most excited about, we just got permission for. We've had a darn hard time getting a dashboard set up. We've worked in with IT on a platform, and that we designed the whole platform. We were ready to go live a long time ago, and then the platform was not compatible with the city's website. We've had all these hurdles, and that is really frustrating to me because we have all of this data that we want to be sharing. Well, we just got permission to stand up around a website and and use a different platform to report that. So a high priority for us, we run an IT call this morning, is we're going to get that platform up and operational. Because I want everyone to be able to know transparently what we're doing, where we have success and where we don't, and where we have to pivot and change. So you're not going to see that on this list because I didn't know when I wrote these slides that we'd be able to do that. That makes me very excited. On uh, Tuesday night, we go to council with a PPA contract for three megawatts of additional solar at city facilities. So we'll hit that four megawatts of solar. Because of the, the lifting of the tariffs, I think we're going to break ground on the landfill solar project. If we get pricing back, you know, let's Supply chain issues have impacted uh, solar installations around the country. But if things look good, we're going to bring that contract forward. And if it's approved, we will break ground. We are going to hit two megawatts. Julie really hates when I say it's not loud, but we're going to figure out how to get two megawatts in the next year, so we get to five megawatts of solar through through Solarize. We're going to have to collaborate more with the county. We've got to figure out what regional collaboration looks like in a deep and meaningful way, so we can sustain this work and really institutionalize it in our region, and then draw more federal funding to this region because we are the leaders in this work. And that also involves working deeply with the state on the My Healthy Climate Plan. Uh, both to support that plan, but also to unlock funding and resources, and make sure that funding and resources are built into that plan for local units of government. And then, policy-wise, we are—we're going to get the green rental housing and home energy uh, reading disclosure over the finish line. It, it's just—it's time. We've got a lot of engagement that's been going on, a lot of design work, uh, and it—it's—they they just need to be over the finish line in year uh, three. We also want to take the h two zero Home Assessment we're testing in Bryant and bring that to the full market. We'll have that circular economy plan. And the two uh, top priorities for us in terms of fundraising are aging in place efficiently and Bryant. Um, Bryant is my favorite project. It is the most meaningful, sustained project I think that we do, everything matters. But this um, this one just touches really deep to the values that I have and the reason I do this work. So we have to find a way to correct market failures
1: and fund the work environment if we're gonna equitably departments and we're gonna stay true to our values. So we are deeply committed to fundraising there. There's some other things on this uh,
0: screen that just wanna share. Those are the primary priorities. But overall, I think the future looks pretty bright. We got a lot of work to do. Uh, you know what? But we've got we got a
1: great team, we've got a great community, and I'm hopeful that we're gonna figure it out. So awesome. Thanks, Chairman. Thank you, Missy. Okay, folks. Can we just applaud? <laughs> yes, you may. Easy. <laughs> any, any, anybody have any comments or questions? Go ahead, Carlene. Uh, the quick question, just about the
4: an event that you mentioned that's going to be taking place in July at the Ann Arbor Farmers Market. I think it says it's, it starts at nine pm. Can you uh, let us know what time it's actually going to start? Which I'm sure you didn't mean.
0: I probably did not. No, I think it's six to nine pm. But I'm pulling up the flyer. that I just okay. to see.
2: It's it's from four until nine.
0: This is what four to nine.
4: Okay. Four pm that's-
2: till nine pm.
4: It didn't show up on my side, on my end, when I was doing it. At
2: least I have it entered in my calendar that way.
0: I have it as five to nine p.m. at the farmers market, and let me just share with you all
1: while you ask the questions. Here is what this event looks like. Ta-da! Ah, there we are. The community high school band, I believe, jazz band is playing, so obviously that's worthwhile. Love Missy, do you need any support
2: from the energy commissioner, or are you getting also people who have electrified that are willing to table? Or are you what's the
0: yes? The that is the largest area of need we have right now. We have a few folks who have done electrification in their home who are willing on speaking, but we could use more. So if, if you have made the transition either fully or in part, and would be willing on spending a little bit of time with us, we would love that. And should the Energy Commission want to have a table and talk about the commission and the work, 100%, you could do that. Uh, we have space.
2: Okay. Um, and just send who an email? Fang is the one organizing it, or?
0: Uh, I would send Julie. Julie. Send an email or Hannah Loftus.
1: Okay. Okay, so. It's...
0: I have
4: another really quick question um, about, uh, could you embellish a little about the soil carbon calculator, what it is, and then is this something that's going to be posted like on a website that we can you, interact with?
0: Yeah, I think it already is, but let me find it. Um, yes, so what it what it was, we worked with Remy Long uh, and a bunch of master's students to understand the, the impact that soil has, different kinds of soil in different parts of the city as we we're thinking about development. So what amount of carbon is actually sequestered in the soil? What's uh, sequestered in the leafy uh, material, the ground cover on top? So we can understand uh, as we're making decisions and trade-offs about development, You know, we can think about uh, density and having people in a certain space, but we also wanted to add the impact of that soil and disrupting it and the emissions that would come from that. Uh, so we've used it mostly. In the greenbelt belt, when we're making decisions on the quality of product to buy uh, or a piece of property. So it's another value that we take into consideration. But also, you were not talking about, we're trying to transition it to other land uses and other types of soil. So, more in city, we can help have uh, kind of more informed decisions about how to develop on those sites. Is that helpful?
1: Can I yes. ask
2: a question about yes. that real quickly? Yeah. Are you also, does the tool evaluate things like? Um, moving to perennial crops like Kernza or um, changing to no-till practices and things like that. Does it, do you know if it evaluates those kinds of things?
0: I don't, I don't think so, but I'm happy to have Ronnie and the students come and see if they wanted to give a presentation on the tool. And as I heard Matt talk about, there's interest in the state in growing it. So maybe we could talk
1: about what it is and what it could be, if that's of interest to the commission. Um, it seems it might be, maybe also possibly to the
2: environmental commission. Um, I don't know what would be the appropriate, um, because I know when we've talked about greenbelt topics in the past, some of those have been in the energy commission because we talked about solar on green belts, but in other cases, we've talked about the green belt and the environmental commission. So maybe we
1: put a pin in that and come back to that. Okay. Also, Member Rodina. Thank you. Thanks, Carleen.
7: Thanks. Um, So I can obviously direct people to this Legistar attachment for folks who might be interested at the greater public, but is there an easier space for people to go and digest kind of some of the accomplishments or um, anything like that? Is there a space we should direct folks?
0: yeah thank you so you're the first to hear this <laughs> later this week we'll be doing a press release and putting out the actual report that is uh, like a more aesthetically pleasing summary of this and we'll have this as an attachment so it'll be on the city's website very shortly you're just the sneak for you, uh um so design work but yeah I'll, I'll send that out to you all
1: as soon as we also post it to so you can have it. see i think there's also a page full page up on heat pumps On the OSI's website, right? Yeah, a bunch of resources on that. If anybody um, should ask, you can direct them to that.
4: So, who would we contact once once we have access to the full report, the backup, and if there's any questions that we have, um, will there be some place in the report that can uh, guide us to where we can find more information if that's something that we're interested in?
0: Yeah, uh, great question. I would say. The way we drafted it, not for each item, because as you just saw, there's a lot of stuff in, in kind of the summary. But I am thinking maybe the best thing to do is for each, because we organize it by strategy as well. Maybe for each strategy, I can put in
1: a point person. So even though it may not be Simi, if Simi's running point, he knows who to connect you with. Would that be helpful? Okay. Let me make it that Anyone else? Missy, I sent an email to you and I copied. Oh, go ahead, Commissioner Briggs.
4: I just wanted to, yeah, Yeah. not a question. I just wanted to reiterate um, kudos to you and the entire team. This is really incredible work in year two. Um, It is, there's a lot that's happened. Um, I'm glad that um, you and other members of the team are getting recognition for all of the work, um, but it is exciting to see us moving forward so rapidly on so many actions um, and all seven
1: strategies. Uh, Commissioner Smith.
3: Thank you. Yes, certainly uh, significant accomplishments. It's uh, truly a pleasure to see all the great work that's been done over the course of this past year. Um, With that, uh, with any plan, I imagine there's been challenges as well. So I guess in the report, or I heard you mention uh, dashboard, um, do you plan to kind of outline some of those challenges and and mitigation strategies here as well? You
1: know,
0: what we have that we're releasing really is more of uh, kind of really easy to read summary of the things that we've accomplished with a little bit more context. So we don't spend a lot of time in all the reasons other things did not happen, uh, just because that isn't really the, really the character of what it is we're putting out. What you're noting though is super important and something we document a lot in individual project-based work. I wonder, I mean, the dashboard was meant more to be transparently reporting on progress, if we've got a goal of 100% renewable energy power in the community, how are we doing? I mean, how much renewable do we actually have compared to where we need to be? So I could imagine that in that dashboard, we, we could include some education about the ways to up that number and the challenges stopping that number. But we haven't gotten yet to design
1: because we just found out we do that, uh, earlier
0: today. So I don't, I'm not 100% sure the right way to explore the challenges more publicly. But would welcome thoughts and suggestions and be more.
3: Absolutely, just thinking there may be an opportunity to capture learnings um, and how to improve upon um, you know uh, you know based off of again the kind of the work and the challenges that we're up against. Um,
0: yeah, we've made a pitch before to funders um, and those who want to see local governments collaborate to actually lend some support to do case study drafting uh, because we. All of the communities that are doing this work are not incentivized to tell their story in that way. And we, we know what we learned, but it, it often doesn't get pen to paper. You move on to what's next, right, in the to-do list. I wonder if we could explore maybe something, pack it with me, uh, with students that see that we may be able to have some help, maybe an intern for a summer or a class project where folks are really
1: documenting the lessons learned and the struggles uh, of this work so it can stay be shared. Did you have anything else, Cerise? No.
3: Um, again, I think all all great ideas, and um, just you know wanted to kind of open the question, the dialogue uh, about the opportunity to explore uh, again, capturing some of those items.
1: Uh. Missy, I submitted some questions via email, and I was wondering if you'd be willing
2: to address those. If you don't have them handy, I can summarize them briefly.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, I will be honest that I am under deadline for something else, and so I did not uh, prep for those. So you, I am happy to take those questions.
1: Okay. so some of them I
2: think you can probably answer. Right off the cuff and it'd be fine actually if you just simply say well that's something i want to consider or think about or respond to later that's 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 perfectly acceptable um so some of the questions are more straightforward some of them are a little bit uh, more longer-winded i would say and they're offered in the spirit of continuous improvement thinking that we'll, we'll also have reports on um, mm-hmm. 820 at 3 a two zero at 4 820 yep. at 2030 um where we'll hopefully be at zero or um, some, some form of zero. Um, so the first question that I had was um, the inventory. Um, as far as I know, the last inventory was done for calendar year 2019.
0: It is um, actually done for 2020 and it's on our website and you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a report and a video summarizing it. Uh, I am. When I read your question, I talked to Thea and realized that we just need to have a stable. Like we're coming in August because the inventory is done in August with the update. So I can share that with the commission. Uh, but it is. It was done for 2020, and 2020 was anomalous Yeah, with the pandemic. Obviously, uh, we had a 20, almost 22 percent reduction in like, community assessment. Uh,
2: and is is there roughly a timetable when those updates? could be expected. Um, is, are we thinking like um June or what's what's the yep. typical
0: Yep, it's summer. Uh and it the plus or minus, depending on the data access that you heard Matt talk about. But I think uh if you're open to it, we just plan to have kind of a stable like in June or July, we come with the update to the commission with how it's tracking.
1: Okay. Um, the uh, next question I had
2: was um, in the plan, um, the plan is really nicely structured. Um, hopefully Washtenaw County does something like this, where um, every action um, had what were baseline assumptions, um, what were what are indicators of success, what is the timeline at the bottom um, of four various actions, and then also in a summary table, there's total costs, total greenhouse gas emissions, uh, emissions reduced. And um, as an output of that, uh, what is the cost per metric ton or kilogram? I guess it is. I can't remember. I think it's metric ton of CO two um, e um, reduced, and then also co-benefits. And um, just my thought or my question was, would it make sense in future reports to report against those specific? Um, um, Let's say that specific framework, um, where we can really see um, this tied to this, and this is what the outcome was, or we anticipate seeing the outcome at such and such a point in time.
0: Yeah, I've, I think that it could be in the report, or and and or it could be on the event, like the the dashboard. So the yeah, way I sort of uh, the dashboard is that we're actually tracking against those, yep. and yep. so it's real time reporting, and then maybe the annual report. Um, touches on that, but directs to it and highlights. Right. You know, we moved from here to here in right. the table. Yeah, no,
2: I, I, I really like that idea if it's on the dashboard. Um, the next question that I had is um, when um, at the very beginning of A two zero, there was a, a prioritization summary that was generated, and um, my sense is that um, we haven't heard much about it. And I'm wondering if that is still actually um, a a living summary, Mm -hmm. and if it's still being updated. And if for example, resources, be it dollars, be it staff time, are being focused, um, according to that prioritization summary, and for everybody's benefit, basically, it was, um, what does it cost? What does it deliver in terms of reductions? Um, what is, um, I think there was something about the timing of the impact. Um, let's see, I wrote it down, I think, um, well, oh, the feasibility and the co-benefits and then points were assigned. And then based on that, uh, priorities were identified. And for example, some of the things that really rose to the top were some of the things that had big bang for the buck, like energy efficiency and things like that, where you're getting, um, a ton of CO2 reduced for um, $4. And then there's other things that we have in the plan that are in the 1000s of dollars. Um, And so I'm wondering how how was that guiding um, time resources put into there we go. Yep. That's that was the
1: the framework. Exactly. Thank you for pulling that up. So various feasibility questions
2: what level of control we have, etc. And then what kind of benefits and you can see on the right hand column,
1: there are points that are assigned. And then with those being applied to all of the
2: actions that Missy showed at the beginning of a report, then there was a summary of what those were. And I don't know if is that document have the summary?
0: Yeah, Um, this document is just the actual framework that was used. And it's it is on the H20 website if anyone wants to see it. Just wanted to show you.
1: Right. So how is that
0: actually using that?
2: Right. How is that actually guiding the application of resources and what we work on now versus what we work on in 2025 or 2028?
0: Yeah, so it's used in two ways. One was a filter by which the actions in a 0 even fell out of, right? So uh, everything went in and the 44 actions that came out were the 44 that ranked the highest in that framework. So by default, uh, we use it in, in terms of like what we're investing in and then new actions have to run through that. So things like telework, um, we just, we didn't think it was feasible, but it scored high in feasibility now until it came in to the, the plan frame, uh, the plan framework. We've pivoted um, away from using that for individual actions. Like, is somebody going to spend time on X or Y? The answer is, you going to spend time on both. And how we prioritize that now is in a project management framework. We have a project management system where people have to fill out, because uh, like they're proposing new projects that align with a 20 they have to put in and actually fill out this whole charter that indicates what the action is, what they think like the strategic opportunity is, how it aligns with the framework, how it aligns with the goals and objectives is set by council. And so we sort of use the prioritization, prioritization, framework is like the umbrella and then the specifics
1: fall out through the project management system we use. Hmm. Okay, okay. And then, um, let's see.
2: I think you mentioned, so I had a couple of questions specific about looking forward. Um, and I couldn't make up quite what you were saying. You talked about the landfill project and you talked about the Department of Commerce action. Is that project? delayed or is it on still on schedule?
0: I'm waiting on updated pricing. Uh, we were on ice for yeah. the two months when the investigation, for those who aren't familiar, Department of Commerce launched the investigation right before we came to the energy commission. I mean, that, I think it was that week, maybe yeah. like a few days before, yeah. uh, into solar panels manufactured in four countries and uh, imposed a retroactive tariff up to 200% of the cost of a system if you used any panel that had a part from those four countries. But 86% of all solar panels have parts from those four countries uh, that we know of and likely many more did. So it was an existential crisis for the industry. Things just stopped. And our project was one that also stopped. And uh, what happened last week is the president put a ban on war for two years and invoked the Defense Act to up uh, domestic manufacturing of solar panels, heat pumps, and other equipment. So that meant that the project could move forward with no risk of penalty while we're building a domestic ability uh, to manufacture. So last week, we met on Thursday uh, with the project team. We're getting updating pricing. Uh, unfortunately, when that happened, some manufacturers shuttered their doors. Uh, and so we need to understand the impact. But as soon as we get updated pricing, well, actually in parallel, we're moving the contract. We were almost done with contract negotiations. So we're moving those forward in tandem, hoping the pricing comes back So I would say we lost two months, but we might, um, if the pricing comes back great, we might actually be able to still safe harbor the assets this year, which means we lock in the 26% of final taxes. So that's what I'm running on. So it is still possible that we would be breaking ground next year on the project. It would not be likely commercially operational, but it's not impossible that it would be commercially operating by the end of the next calendar year.
2: Okay, that's good to hear. I'd I read, and I wrote in the email, I read something like 80 large utility scale projects in the United States have been canceled just because of all the uncertainty. Because if for those of you who hadn't heard, those tariffs were gonna be retroactive. So it was really nuts. I mean, it just it, 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 with that kind of a tariff, it would have just made all these projects uneconomical and people were not gonna go ahead with a project that was gonna be uneconomical. Um, There was no mention of the municipal utility feasibility Mm -hmm. study. Could you give us um, a sense of with a timetable for that?
0: Yeah. So in the actual written report, we have a line that just says continue the investigations because we are getting the the timetables back right now from the bidders. So I, I just don't have a timetable to tell you definitively it would be done or it would not be done. The stance that we have in the office, and I think holistically as a city, is we want it as fast as we can get really high quality data back. So we will be pushing uh, the vendors to move rapidly and to give us off ramps through that process where if they evaluate something and it is just not going to work, we get it out quick. So we, we really minimize, which means they can go faster with a smaller scope uh, of work. So that's the only reason you don't see it. Is I, I just don't have it yet.
2: Right. And what about the the, the feasibility study that um, council approved in 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 January? The RFP is out, right?
0: Yep, bids are in. Uh, bids are in um, right now, and so we are starting to review and interview folk, so, But that's they're combined, right? That task includes the SEU and yeah, uh, the feasibility study. So that's that's part of the
1: timeline. Uh huh. So w- when is the decision anticipated on when the vendor is going to be picked? Probably probably july
0: end of july maybe. more than you want to know i'm going on vacation so uh, i leave on friday
1: i'm not gonna work so it'll be after i come out. yeah okay um then yeah I, I, so we can maybe talk about some of those other. maybe i'll just ask one last question because it came up
2: um in public comment natural gas ban um this has been discussed um between um Ken and you and me and, and, and the three of us and, and others. It's been something that Ken has been pushing at uh, planning commission meetings and also heres um, is, is the city's position absolutely definitive that we are going to wait, um, and determine, see what happens with the, uh, the energy code and if the zero code is adopted as an appendix, is that what, what we're going to do?
1: I can't give you an answer that's going to feel meaningful on this. What I can say is that we are looking at
0: this from different angles, including non-traditional angles, to try to figure out where there's space for us to move. And we have some ideas. We have some ideas that are not going to fly, but we could try to push. We have some that are ambiguous as to whether or not we're allowed and have some that are clearly allowed. So we are right now doing some work as staff to, to figure out where there's space and most likely this will become a council question of how much risk
1: we want to take as a city. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically legal costs if we do some of this, right? We, we while it is true that Michigan is a home state, it is also true that our legislation
0: uh, it's very quick to take away things, especially when Ann Arbor does them. And so we want to we want to try to present something that has a chance mm-hmm. of, of actually surviving and that our owners can you know can actually defend. Mm-hmm. So the answer is I don't know, but we are working on it. And by we, I don't mean just us. There's a lot the Planet Commission is very interested in this topic. Uh, the planning department is very interested. We've heard council, we've heard the planning commission, we've heard the public law and clear. Uh, this is not an, a case where staff is just kind of back at its rails. We are trying
1: really hard. I think that's a this one. I think just, you know,
2: we, we're here to advise council. And I think Ken, you know, I, he hasn't shared his calculations with me, but I believe his calculations. And I think what we're seeing, you know, what his concern is, is that we should all be aware that while we're doing all these things that you outlined that are really great, um, we're also doing things that are growing emissions. Um, And, you know, there's other things, for example, that potentially are gonna negatively impact us that we don't have a lot of control of. You know, the new University of Michigan Hospital, Um, that's going to have, um, it's gonna be a huge new building. It's gonna be U of M's, but also Ann Arbor's emissions. There's gonna be 1600 new, employees just associated with that hospital and there's not 1600 new housing units in Ann Arbor so that means those people are going to be commuting in and I'm you know that that building is is also going to be a very very energy intense building all these new developments that are going to be heated with natural gas are are going to be offsetting a lot of the great things that you and your team have done so it's it's something that we need to be aware of that you know when these developments come online in 2026 2027 we're going to see um those offsetting some of the great gains that that unfortunately we've um they, they will offset the great things that we've done unfortunately so okay that's that was it um and i think does anybody yeah go ahead Councilman member uh,
7: i was also just going to add i mean to the To add to the complexity of kind of the ban on natural gas, um, there is actually Senator Zorn uh, has introduced legislation at the state level that would ban local bans on natural gas. And so um, the current majority is not friendly to these types of things. And so I think that also adds to the, the challenge that Missy was talking about. I think we would need to consider really strongly if we were to move forward on something, if that would actually give weight to his legislation at the state level to prohibit us from doing it right
2: yeah well, the, the we might um, we might uh open pandora's box in, in a negative kind of way is that that's basically your point right yeah it would it would close pandora's box on us doing other kinds of things that we might want to do okay i think um that's it we're down to now uh the few last topics first of all um OSI reports and news from energy commissioners. I think we just got a rather detailed report from OSI, but missing that there might be a few other things you want to share with us.
0: I'll just say that on Tuesday night uh, at council, we will be bringing, it's the last council of the fiscal year uh, meeting, and we're bringing forward a resolution for a power purchase agreement for 3.1 megawatts of solar at seven Mm -hmm. facilities, water treatment plant, wastewater treatment plant, Wheeler steer Farm. super exciting stuff. Uh, two batteries, large, large commercial batteries at one, two, and five, and EV chargers, uh, 26 EV chargers
1: uh, that would go with the install we just had. So, and in the fiscal year at least with Commissioners. Comments from commissioners, updates from commissioners, questions from commissioners. So, um, I have some comments and what I thought uh,
2: I would do is also um, provide some background. So, um, there's been, um, an email that was sent from Ann Arbor for public power to city council, um, that questions, um, the appointment of a, uh, or the, the recommendation of an appointment, um, to the energy commission. And um, what I first wanted to do was explain um, what the process has been in recent years when um, we make recommendations for appointments and then what happens then beyond that. So I don't know that it's widely known, but for the last um, at least three years or so, uh, Missy and I, um, Carlene as vice chair, and then our two council liaisons um, meet. And we review all of the applications that have come in in the last several years. Um, so we're not just looking at recent applications, we're also looking at ones um, that are still on file um, with the mayor's office. So I think everybody knows that there's a website where people can um, basically make a, an application to join a commission or actually several commissions um, at any point in time. And then as openings arise, um, we look at who is applied, we each study that um, individually. Um, In last couple of rounds, I've done a summary and a spreadsheet um, to sort of summarize some of the key information from each one of those. And then we've had hour to hour long, hour and a half long meetings where we've um, basically come to what we feel are recommendations on um, appointees that are then provided through Missy to the mayor's office, ultimately, then the mayor uh, has the right to make nominations um, for the approval of City Council, and then those go to City Council for approval. Um, I don't know um, that everybody was aware of that process. Many of you or of us have um, been serving, and um, maybe the I think some of the the, the process steps um, changed a little bit. Um, so recently we met and um, one of the people that we recommend for no- nomination um, is um, Knox Cameron. Knox is um, a um, local an Ann Arbor resident. Um, he lives here in Ann Arbor. He's raising um, his um, children here. He's um, an employee of um, DTE. He works in the my green power program. And there was um, a big um, concern that was expressed, number of concerns that were expressed by Hanover for Public Power. I don't know if this was um, sent on behalf of the whole organization or um, um, which I think it was, or, or just a, a couple of individuals or their board or however they operate. Um, but what I wanted to do is just share with you um, at least my personal viewpoints on this. Um, and I'm going to send these also to city council. And I encourage um, anyone to speak up with their own opinions. Um, Obviously each one of us uh, have a right to our own opinions and obviously A2P2 um, had some concerns. Most of those concerns were related to DTE and DTE's actions with regards to its business and how those in some cases conflicted with the goals of A2O. Um, but what I wanted to say is remind everyone, first of all, that the energy commission, um, has had members from, um, investor owned utilities in the past. Um, so all of, you know, that we had, um, Chuck Hocum serving until recently. Um, he, as he told us, um, on his last meeting day has been on the commission for many, many years. Um, we also had, um, as, commission chair, Shoshana Lensky. She served on the commission for seven years, including one year um, as chair, and she has been a longtime employee of DTE. So um, past practice at least has been that we have not um, de- qual- disqualified someone just because of who their employer is. Um, in, um, in, I, no one represents, I think in, in the commission, um, their employer, they're representing themselves, they're representing their own professional opinion. And I think we all know we've studied and talked about the bylaws in the commission that the bylaws um, require that um, any individual recuse themselves or any other commissioner can raise the concern that someone may have an ethical or professional um, conflict of interest. And if, if that's true in those cases, then the person is um, to be accrued from voting as well as from any, actually even any discussion on that matter. Um, Knox brings um, diversity um, to the commission along um, multiple characteristics. Um, um, He's younger than certainly I am um, and and, um, a few other people on the commission. Um, He's um, an African-American. Um, he went to the University of Michigan, so he's got a strong background. Um, Knox, in, in my view, should not be judged by what we might call the misdeeds or um, the, the, um, the policies and strategies of, of DTE. Um, most of those strategies are set at the executive level. Um, he has a managerial level in the my Green Power Program. That program um, was set up um, several years ago before he joined that joined that program in 2019. So I, I think it's it's um, a stretch to
1: look at Knox and say Knox is somehow um, an unqualified to serve on the commission because of um, because of that. Um, and then um, I
2: would finally then just simply say. Knox is only one out of 15 votes on the commission. So um, he has an opportunity to um, raise his or her opinions and concerns just like anybody else. Um, and um but that doesn't mean that he can't uh, be out vote outvoted. If if we feel differently, we still have all of our individual votes. And I might also point out that we, I think most of us know that there's um one person on the commission who um, has been active within the A2P2 community. I don't know if they have members or whatever they call their, um, their followers or whatever, but um, so it's it's not that we have um, said, well, we're going to start to exclude people because of, of their affiliations. So that was something that I wanted to, to share um, with all of you and um, you'll probably catch wind of this. Um, I, my understanding is it's gonna be considered by City Council, but I wanted to share my thoughts with you and do that first with the Commission before I did that with City Council, um, because I wanted to be just transparent about my my feelings on this and encourage anybody else to speak up um, and to share their thoughts with City Council members um, between now and when that's voted on. So um, that was an update for me. And I don't know if anybody else wants to comment on it. Um,
1: but um, I don't see any hands up. So I would just ask one last time if anybody else on the
2: commission wants to speak to any other topics before we move to working group updates. And I don't know that there's gonna be much there um, because Carleen dropped off. She had written me, she had some other commitment at um, eight. And then also we had um, Edie drop out from her, sorry, my wife is boiling water in the other room. So uh, ED is, as you heard in in Bonn, Germany, and they're six hours ahead of us. So it's already 2am there. So um, I don't know if anybody else has any other updates regarding anything in a working group or
1: from the Environmental Commission. I'm not aware of anything um, that's of particular interest from the Environmental Commission. So um,
2: that takes us then to uh, public input before adjournment. And so I will read off the uh, spiel here as far as um, how to call in. So again, this is an opportunity for people to speak for up to three minutes. Um, If you are watching on CTN, please call 888-788-0099 or 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 956. 8718 7876. Eight, seven, and this information um, is on the video feed and on Legistar. City staff will um, select callers that have raised their hand one by one using the last three digits of um, their phone numbers. And in order to raise your hand to indicate your desire to speak, please press star nine on your phone. And then you're going to hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. Um,
1: Please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. Caller ended in one, please. Thank you, Dr. Stalton, and Chair Mirsky. Ken Garber again, 28 Haverhill Court.
8: Great presentations and very interesting discussion tonight. Uh, Just a quick question on the um, annual greenhouse gas inventory. This is a beautifully detailed report with essential information for tracking the city's decarbonization progress. I think I heard Dr. Steltz state tonight that the report covering 2020 is posted on the city's website. I just checked and I can still only find the report from 2019. Uh, Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. Uh, But when I spoke at the Green Fair on Friday with Thea Jagerliner from OSI, she told me it wasn't posted but offered to send me a copy. Anyway, if it hasn't been posted, I hope it soon will be. If it's there somewhere now, my apologies. I will check back with OSI in a couple of days if I still can't find it. Thanks.
2: That is also what I attempted to do. I also mentioned in my email, I searched on Legistar for greenhouse gas inventory and inventory and both last year and this year and could not find it in um, 2000 and um whenever it was 20 when we did the 2019 inventory then it was
1: on let posted on legistar and linked to in the agenda so you might take a look at that any other we do i'm sorry i was trying to find it yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Do we have any other calls?
0: Uh, we do. Can follow up if anyone want to
1: get it to you. Uh, caller ending in zero one zero. Caller ending in zero one zero. We do not hear you yet still oh, there, go. there we go. Hello. Yes. Can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, good evening. This is Wayne a uh,
5: former Energy Commissioner. I was on Energy Commission for 26 years, uh, talking to you from my all-electric net zero home in Norville Township in Jackson County. First, I want to applaud the Julie Roth and the entire OSI staff for the several megawatts of the installed solar generation. It's really a wonderful accomplishment. I totally agree with the previous speaker, Ken Garber, that the continued use of natural gas and the installation of additional natural gas usage is totally detrimental to accomplishing the A20 plan. And so CO2 remains in the atmosphere for hundreds of years. The area under the curve is of utmost importance. We simply have to stop combusting now. I do, however, understand that the pushback It is already occurring on the state level, as there is a Michigan bill, Senate Bill 820, that would ban such a ban on natural gas. Interestingly, the fact that this bill is in progress indicates that the current law does not, as Ken suggested, ban a ban on new gas installations. I would like to propose a different ordinance proposal, which, although not an entire ban, may go a long way to having the same effect without a ban from the state. The ordinance would simply require that all new construction would require that the electric service capacity, load breakers and electrical wiring to the locations of all installed natural gas appliances be provided, uh, furnaces and boilers and such, uh, in order to allow for the future conversion from natural gas to electricity. This would both reduce the cost of future conversion and increase the cost to the developer such that it becomes cheaper for them to go all electric. I think that is something that you should uh, propose to the legal department and um, see what they think about it because I I really do believe it would be um, difficult for the state
1: to tell you that you couldn't require that. Thank you very much. You comments. Um, I, I would only observe um, that um, I've done a fair number
2: amount of research and spoken actually to a company in Pennsylvania, that um, designs and builds and develops um, net zero multifamily um, construction. Uh, and their construction costs are actually the same or lower. And the, the state of Pennsylvania has done extensive um, comparisons on and benchmarks um, of traditional construction against um, these best practices from um, a number of different developers. And it's, it's it's simply not a cost premium to design highly efficient, all electric buildings. So um, in, anything we can do either convincing or with the kinds of ordinances that have um, been proposed, um,
1: I think, is something we, we really should take a look at again. Um, any other comments before we adjourn? Seeing none, uh, it is 8.16,
2: and I thank all of you for attending tonight and for your public service.
1: Um, I wish you a nice rest of your evening. This meeting is adjourned. Thanks. Good night. See you. Have a great trip.